pastors, when they're all talking about getting jobs and whatnot, I always tell them, you guys should all work food service. And, you know, if you guys have worked food service, fast foods or whatever, you know all those people work really hard and they don't get paid very much. And I worked a couple of years at McDonald's when I was in high school. I worked a couple of years at Baskin Robbins right out of high school. And I just, you just go, food service is like, it's, sometimes it's the pits, right? I mean, at McDonald's, right, you, it, when you first come in, you have to, you're the one cleaning the bathroom every hour. You're the one flipping burgers. You're the one doing this. And, and it's not really a highly esteemed place. But I tell you what, man, you work there, and it teaches you respect for those people that work there. Like now when I go there, you know, if they mess up your order, you're like, oh, it's okay. Because I've been there. You know, I was one of those people messing up orders or, or filling things out. And so you go, hey, don't think of them as just, oh, they're the lowly food service people. You know, there's somebody. Somebody loves them. And so in, in, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read you some verses. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, don't be selfish. This is verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. God, God, the, God Jesus, God the Son, he had everything, right? He had perfect fellowship with, with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was in heaven. He didn't have to do anything, and yet what he did was he still humbled himself and said, I'm going to be like them, and not only that, I'm going to be humiliated on a cross, and they're going to kill me. Like that, that blows my mind. I, I can't even fathom the love that, that it took for us to get him down here on earth. And you think there's so many different stories about people that have done that kind of thing, right? They, that have, they have lowered themselves, they put themselves in, a, in an unfair position or, or an unpopular position to help other people out, right? I mean, you think of, I mean, Mother Teresa is always the famous example, but you can also think of, you know, like Father Damien did the same thing. You know, they, they said, hey, I'm going to go help other people regardless of what it, what it brings me, what kind of fame it brings me, what kind of fortune it brings me. I'm doing this to help other people. And if you think, if I think in my life, I think of there's so many people that have just done so many things to help me out. You know, if you guys think about your lives, like how many people have helped you out when you couldn't give them anything in return? It was just a really nice gesture. You know, when I was 16, I needed a car to take my driver's license test. And who let me borrow their car? Auntie Colleen. Like seriously, what, I mean, now as an adult, if someone said, hey, I got to take my driver's license test. Can I borrow your car, Scott? Yes wouldn't be the first answer that would come to my mind. I would think of all these excuses of, oh, I, I don't know, can you drive a stick? Or, you know, my car's not even a stick, but, oh, do you know how to parallel park? I mean, there's, right, doesn't all these things go, and it's a car, and Auntie Colleen let me borrow her car, and I passed, and yay, I owe all my driving to you. <laughs> Hooray. You know what I love about Auntie Colleen? Let me just tell you a, a little side story. Auntie Colleen, just tells you whatever's on her mind, yeah? I told her, she goes, oh, are you preaching tomorrow night? This is yesterday, we're in the office. And I go, oh, yeah. She goes, oh, are you going to shave? <laughs> Do I need to? Oh, it'd make you look better. <laughs> so I shaved today for you guys. Yeah. Yay, Auntie Colleen, but just beware, mustache man is right around the corner. So... This might be my last shave for a while. But you think about it, right? So many people just do nice things just because. I mean, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I think I'm a, you know, I try and help people where I am. But, I mean, there's so much work I need to do. I'm real selfish on the inside. You know, Cal goes, oh, can you get me this? And my first thought is, 
your legs aren't broken. You're perfectly able to get that. Right? Or, oh, can you go pick this up? I'm like, seriously, you're just standing up over there. And so like, when I read verses like this, it's a slap in the face. Like, I got to do the heart check, and I got to go, oh, man. I mean, you, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, this service especially. You guys have all been, you know, so perfect for so long. <laughs> but, but for some of us still learning how to be perfect. Um, you know, this, this is the kind of the verse that, that challenges, and it should. It should make me feel bad that I'm not being humble to my wife. I'm not being humble to other people. And so Paul is saying, hey, make sure you know who you are. Make sure you know where you're going. Because once you figure out where to start, what your foundation is, then it's going to be easy to maintain and to do, to do other things. But you have to have this foundation first that says, I'm going to humble myself and other people are going to, I'm going to look at other people as better than me. Does that make sense? Let's continue reading. In verse 20, he says, When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew, to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the when I was when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I, follow the, <clears throat> I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do, this, I do everything to spread the good news and to share in his blessing. Paul goes, when I'm with the Jews, I become like a Jew. When I'm with the Gentiles, I become like a Gentiles. I want to do everything I can to find the common ground with everyone I can so that I can tell them about Christ, so that I can tell them the good news. Right? He's not just trying to be everyone's friend just to be their friend. He understands, hey, if, if people are going to listen to me a little bit more, if I find that common ground, I mean, if, if, if I just went up to anybody in this room and you didn't know me and I said, hey, there's this God and there's Jesus, I mean, most of you guys would go like, oh, I, I already heard that, or oh, that's, that's for somebody else. Even if you're a Christian, right? If, if people come to your door and talk to you about Jesus, don't you guys just go like, oh, I already go to church. How many of you guys like invite them into your house and go, oh, come, let's talk. Anybody? Hey, pray. again, the perfection in this service is overwhelming. No, but seriously, most of us don't, right? Like, <laughs> like this last Easter, someone left like a flyer on my door, you know, that said like, come celebrate Easter. And my first thought is, why are people trashing my house? I didn't ask for this. You guys are all laughing because I know you think the same thing. <laughs> Nobody looks at it and goes, oh, I ought to go to that. Right? But we, we have this mindset that we just go, okay, what can, what can we do? I mean, if that person came on my house every day and made friends with me and found common ground and said, hey, I like to do this, do you like to do this, or whatever, Right now, I'm really into gardening. And so if someone said, hey, I like your plants, you know, and we talk gardening, and then they crack the door about Jesus a little later, I bet you I'd be a lot more open to it, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just human nature. We all, you know, for whatever reason, we all are selective with whom we hang out with. For the most, like if I asked you guys, not counting your spouses, but who are your closest friends in the world, and how did you guys become friends? Most of us became friends through some kind of common whatever it was. Two of my best friends that, that um, are two of my dearest friends now, we went to high school together, we we're classmates together, but that's not why we were friends. We're actually friends because we live within like a half mile of each other, and two of us needed a ride to school, and so we asked the third person, and we got a ride to school that person for our junior and senior year, and that's why we became close friends. The common ground was we needed a ride, I guess, and one person could solve that, or something. We needed transportation. But out of that grew a friendship. Right, and now they're two of my closest friends in the world. When I got married, they're in my wedding party. 
One of them is going to be getting married hopefully this year, and hopefully I'll make the cut for his wedding party. Um, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, but, you know, you think about those things. Like, yeah, the common ground is a really big thing. We've got to find common ground because once we do that, it becomes way easier. It becomes way more normal and natural when people go, how are you doing? And they actually care about the answer because you're friends. And you can say, oh, I'm doing well or I'm not well or whatever. You know, this is what I learned last week at church or we had Easter. We, I mean, it's just, it's much more natural. It's a much more effective way, I believe, of spreading the gospel than just a cold call. Amen? So he's saying, find this common ground. Once you find that common ground, it's going to get a lot easier. But the, the other thing I, I really want to stress to you is a lot of people go, well, how do you find the common ground? How do you talk to people? And this is just an aside and a life lesson, and maybe you guys already have this wired, uh, but I'm going to speak to Kahala tomorrow, and so I'll just tell you guys anyway because maybe they don't know as well as you guys. But Do you guys know who Alvin Wong is? Alvin Wong, yes, hear his name in the news, newspaper recently. No? Anybody read the newspaper? <laughs> Who is he, Auntie Carol? Happiest, Happiest man in America. That's right. If you guys read the paper last year, um, I forget what news organization said, the happiest person in America would be an, an older Asian male who, um, who is Jewish and started his own, or owns his own company and makes uh, over $120,000 a year and has adult children that don't live with him or whatever. And they had all this thing, and they said, Let's find the happiest man in America. And of course, the happiest man in America lives in Hawaii. So they called the synagogues and said, hey, do you guys have anyone that fits this criteria? And there aren't many Asian Jews, but there was one named Alvin Wong, who is in his 60s, and he owns his own company and whatever. The sad thing is he's not, he's not a Christian. Yeah? Wouldn't you think like the happiest man in America should be a Christian, but he's not, he's a Jew? Think about that for a little bit. Just that, Also, on an aside, I just, that kind of bothers me that the happiest person in America wouldn't be a Christian first. But anyway... So this guy named Alvin Wong, and so they're saying, what, you know, he, he said it's real tough because he gets all inundated with people going, what's the secret to your happiness? The newspaper article said, like, lawmakers come to his house and rub his head and rub his belly to try and get the happiness to wear off or whatever. But he said, he said, the thing, here's the thing, people love to talk, but people love it even more when they find someone to listen to them. And he goes, that's what I do. I go to places, and, and he says, I genuinely like to learn about people but people love to talk, and I, I'm here to listen. And I thought, wow, there's the perfect way for you guys to just start figuring this out, right? You, you, all you have to do is ask the right questions, and then just wait for the answer, and then see where it goes. Because so many of us, I think, we get so excited, someone says gardening, I go, I love gardening, and then I, I can take over a conversation about everything that I've learned about gardening. If you guys want to talk gardening with me after, I'm very passionate about it, we can go talk afterward. But, but, you think, you know, I mean, so many times we get so excited because if, especially if someone hits our passion, we're going to want to talk. And he's saying, don't talk. Just listen. Listen to what they have to say. You're going to find out a lot more by listening than you will by talking and overshadowing someone. So, so what he says here is, is find the common ground. Listen to people. Let them talk to you. Let them figure out, you know, um, who you are by listening. And every once in a while you can interject and say what you need to say. But make sure that you're listening. In fact, the other part of this that I really like of this passage, the other thing to note, is that he says, uh, even while he's trying to find the common ground, he says, I still, I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. He's still a Christian first. And that's the most important thing to Paul. He's a Christian first. He's a little Christ. So even though, he goes, even though I hang out with, with Jew people and I'm under the law, or I hang out with Gentiles and I'm not under the law, I still obey the law of Christ. I still know where I stand. I'm still grounded. 
you know, um, when I was in high school, um, I was in a high school mini church, and I think TomTom Tom was my mini church shepherd. And, and there's a couple of kids, and they came in. I mean, I guess we're all the same age, but you know how you look back down. We're all kids. Anyway, so there's a couple of teenagers that they came in, and they're just crying, crying, crying. And, and so Tom goes, oh, what happened? And they go, oh, we feel so bad. We, like, went to the strip club, and we shouldn't have gone, but we went anyway. And, you know, and we, we just want to repent, and we want to confess, and, and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, Tom goes, okay, that's real good. And one of the guys goes, but I want to go back and, like, minister to that person. And, and I truly believe he meant it. I'm not, I don't think he meant, like, oh, I want to go back, you know. <laughs> and Tom goes, I don't think you should go back. And he goes, no, I got to make this right. And he goes, this, it, wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a conducive environment for you to go back. You know, you're still a Christian first. You should still avoid the places that will cause you to stumble. And if it caused you to stumble the first time, what makes you think it's not going to cause you to stumble the second time, right? So, so in that case, yeah, he, you know, it's not like saying, oh, I'm going to go minister to the strippers, so I got to go to their place of work. That would be kind of productive to what I think Paul is trying to say. You know, be judicious about what you're trying to do. You know, just because people are swearing at your workplace, that doesn't mean that you join in just so you can be like, yeah, find the common ground. I'm an angry man too. I hate the boss or whatever it is, you know, because it's real easy to get caught up in that kind of stuff. Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 40, super, super famous verse, right? Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So super famous. Love the Lord your God, first commandment. But the second one, which is equally as great, is to love your neighbor. And then he goes on to say in verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If you can do these two commandments, you're taken care of. Whether you follow trying to minister to a Jew person or to a Gentile person, he says, hey, you do these things and all the law of the prophets and or, all, the entire law and all the, demands of the pro- and all the demands of the prophets are hinged on this verse. And so, again, going back to this focus, going back to this intention, you gotta intentionally love people. You gotta intentionally go out of your way to try and make that person feel welcome. You know, churches are some of the most intimidating places to walk into if you don't know anybody. Right? I mean, you walk into a place and, and if people don't know who you are, if you don't know who they are, you know, I mean, naturally, we're going to gravitate toward people that we know and we're going to gravitate to our friends. And, and I'm constantly telling our guys, hey, you know, the first five minutes when service is done, try and find new people. But, you know, everyone loves each other. They've known each other for how long. So what do they do? As soon as service is out, they want to talk to each other. This might be the only time of the week they see each other. And that's great that they love each other and they want to see each other. But we tell them, hey, make sure you go and find new people because at one point you were new. And you have to walk into a place where everyone seemed like they knew everybody, they spoke the same language, and it's real intimidating, right? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm trying to fight off this cold here. So if I cough, it's because of that. Not because I'm so moved by my message and I'm breaking down. <laughs> In case you're wondering. But, but, you know, so be intentional about how you treat people. Be intentional. Paul's saying, make sure it's focused. So the first part, you know, treat, your, treat other people better than yourself. The second one, just love them. <clears throat> pay attention to them. Find that common ground. You know, one of the things um, I'm looking forward to is, is, is growing a little older because like I mentioned earlier I, with Auntie Colleen, like old people, they can just say whatever's on their mind and they can get away with it. Like, I don't know if they feel like they deserve it or whatever or, or they just don't care. <laughs> I know. Be nice. See, be nice. That's what it is. 
<coughs> I had a friend that was visiting out of town, and, and I've known him for maybe 15, 20 years. And so we had a little get-together with some of our other old friends, and, and we're all having a barbecue or whatever. And they're getting ready to leave, and um, one of the persons, you know, we're all saying goodbye or whatever. And then my mom and my dad stopped by because they wanted to see my daughter. And so, of course, you told them to come in. And we're like, hey, you know, look who's here. Everyone's all here. And my mom introduces herself to my friend. And she goes, oh, hi, I'm Diana. And he goes, auntie, I'm so-and-so. And she goes, oh, I didn't recognize you. You got so fat. <laughs> <laughs> we're all like, seriously, did she just say that? Like, what? I can't even comprehend that. So that's an example of what not to do. If you're really trying to love people, those kind of things, stay away from that. And if you see my mom, please give her a hug. Because <laughs> after that, I had to call everybody I knew and tell them that story. It was too good to miss. But, but here, here's where we say, again, you know, watch what's coming out of your mouth. I mean, you know, again, I, I'm sure she was being completely honest. But sometimes being completely honest isn't being completely encouraging, right? There's probably a better way she could have said it. But so, um, <clears throat> Galatians 5.22, and this is on an aside. But the Holy Spirit, oh, thanks, Glenn. It's like he's going to do a magic trick, yeah? He got the table. <laughs> Watch this. Thank you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Right? If you have these fruit in your life, there's no law against it. Use them. Use them all the time. If you can treat someone with kindness, do it. If you can be patient, do it. If you can exhibit self-control, do it. There's no law against it. Use them as much as you want. And then the last part, and we'll just wrap up with this. It says in verse 24, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's a heavy, heavy set of verses there. Paul's saying, everyone's in this race, so what, what you should do is run to win. It's not good enough just to run and just to finish. He's saying run to win. Have a purpose in what you're doing. He says, he says I, have, I, have, I run with a purpose with every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just punching the air. I'm punching with a purpose. And the last part, this, and this is the part that frankly is kind of a scary verse to me. He says, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Right, so run the race to win. You know, one person um, when I was in junior high explained this you know, I remember reading this verse, and he goes, really, it's not like you're racing against everybody in this room, and you have to beat everybody to the finish line. He says, you're really just racing against yourself. Maybe there's 10 of you in that race, but you know who the 10 people are, and you know right now, oh, I'm running at a good clip, but I'm not running to win. Or you know, I'm failing. I'm, 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 I'm losing ground. I can see, the, I can see me, and I, I know what it's like to run with God, and I can see it way up there, and maybe, you know, I'm just not there. So he's saying, race to win. Get, get back with it. Get, get with a purpose. Start figuring out what you're going to do and do it well. He's saying, I don't want to be like the person who's just shadow boxing, who's just wasting time punching air. I want to make sure that I'm doing things in a focused, focused way. And so how do you do this? Well, I think the first part about staying focused is finding your focus, finding what God wants you to do. Proverbs uh, 
Proverbs 4, 23 to 27. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes upon what lies, what, what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And the last part, if you want to underline that or if you want to take notes, keep your feet from following evil. Keep your feet following God and everything will go well. Keep yourself on that path where he says, the first thing he says is guard your heart because out of your heart, everything else is going to follow it. Right? So make sure your heart's in the right place. Again, it, it, this all fits into this message so perfectly, right? Stay focused. Guard your heart. Make sure you're focused on what lies ahead of you. You know, focus your eyes in Hebrews says on, on, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that's the first part. Stay focused. Make sure you guys have your focus and stay there. You know, this is the part where it really helps to have other people in your life to, to help talk you through things. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but goals that get written down and shared with other people are more likely to be done than goals that I'm just going to do on my own and say, oh, I can do this. You know, if I say to myself, oh, I'm going to go, you know, run three miles every week. Well, if it's just me telling myself this, I have to keep myself accountable. And most of the time, sitting on the couch watching TV will win over running three miles. <laughs> right? That's just how we are. We get tired. We get lazy. You know, um, it's just not important enough or whatever. It's not a high enough priority. It takes effort, whatever it is. But now if I tell Kayal, my wife, this, I'm way more liable to keep to this, right? Because you need someone to remind you, go, hey, did you run your three miles? And if I say no, then she might, you know, motivate me by saying, you're such a sissy. I thought you said you're going to run three miles. <laughs> right? I mean, but, well, name-calling motivates me because I think real highly of myself, so it brings me down. No, but, but sharing your goals with other people is a wonderful thing, and I think we should all do it. We should all have prayer partners or disciples, uh, mentors or, or disciplers, I guess, or what is the opposite of a disciple? A master? That sounds weird. Rab yeah, rabbi, a teacher, or someone that's discipling you. We ought to have someone that we're sharing goals with. We ought to have someone that we can, we can trust and tell them and go, hey, these are, I don't know if this is wild and crazy. I think God's put in my heart to do blank. God's put in my heart to start a church. God's put in my heart to start three mini churches in the next two years. Whatever it is, right? Put it out there. And, and let the other people help keep you accountable. Because I can tell you, life is a race. You're going to get tired. You're going to lose motivation. You need sometimes someone to come back and go, hey, remember when you had that dream? Remember when, when God told you this? Remember, you know, when this happened? Because sometimes, if we don't watch ourselves, and it's not even for bad things, we get busy, we get tired, we get lazy. Not even like we're sinning per se. It's just other things come into it that are maybe good things. So unless we have something to keep us focused, to keep us on our way, it's real easy to lose it. The second part is stay disciplined. And, and here's the part where that verse I just quoted came in. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, a huge crowd of witnesses to the, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because the joy awaiting him, or because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated on the place of honor besides God's throne. Okay, Jesus is our example. He's, he's our champion. He's the one who initiated and perfected our faith. You think when he was on the cross, he wasn't just looking at, at what was on the other side? Right? I mean, the Bible says that he could have easily called angels to just take him off 
I mean, we've seen in the Bible that God could easily just take people out. You know, I mean, I'm reading, I'm reading through the Bible and our Bible in a year plan, but I'm about two weeks behind. I know, I know. Stop judging me. Um, but, you know, like you read through Deuteronomy and like there's parts where, you know, God like opens the ground and swallows everybody up. I mean, there, there's, there's things in there you go like, Jesus could have done anything to get off that cross. But it says, but for the joy set before him. That must have been incredible joy, and he must have had incredible focus to stay on that cross and die the way he did for you and for me. Stay disciplined, right? Strip off every weight that entangles us, that slows us down. If we want a race to win, you know, it's going to take some cutting out of our lives. You know, for me, I, I can easily say I probably watch way too much TV. And that's a real tricky one, because what is too much, right? But I guess for me, if, we're, if, if I'm running in a race against myself, the gold medal Scott probably wouldn't watch as much TV as I watch. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm so moved. <laughs> but the gold medal Scott probably wouldn't watch as much TV as I watch. So I'm, in fact, I'll give you guys all a license. Just ask me every time you see me how much TV am I watching, and I'll tell you if I'm doing better or not. Don't laugh, for real. You can tell me. And some weeks, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to say, oh, I had a real good week. I didn't watch any TV. And some weeks, like this week, I'll probably say, oh, yeah. <laughs> Not so good. But anyway, stay disciplined, right? Get rid of what you don't need. Strip off what you don't need. The things that slow us down, you know, whether it be the negative people in our lives that slow us down, whether it be the things we're watching on TV or the things we're reading or what's occupying our time, if it's not getting us toward our goal, if it's not getting us to where our focus is, then get rid of it. I know it's not, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. And this is why, again, I think it, it really comes into play that if someone's mentoring you or if you're part of a mini church and you share these things, people can really help you out. And the last thing is just finish well, right? Run to win. In Matthew 25, 23, Jesus is talking about this parable of, um, of the talents. But he says at the end, the master says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And I think that's one of the coolest things. I mean, not so much that he says, I'll give you more responsibilities, although that's kind of a neat thing. But he says, let's celebrate together, both of us, you and me. Let's celebrate. You know, there's, there's so much, I think, that, that we feel probably in our, in our minds. That we, I mean, there's so many things that we do that I think that we do right that nobody recognizes. And sometimes you get tired of it, right? Sometimes you get like, oh, man, like, how many times do I have to whatever, wash dishes, or whatever it is. I mean, they're just good things. How many times do I have to do this, you know, and no one recognizes it, except you just know that you're doing the right thing. And I think a lot of times we get weary, we get, we get worn down, and, and hear God saying, hey, you know, let's celebrate together. I think that's one of the most amazing three words around. I don't know if you guys have, um, <clears throat> if you guys have read that book, Heaven is for Real. Did anyone read that book? It's, it's about a story about, a, I think he was three years old, is that right? A three-year-old boy that, that died and went to heaven, and then he came back to life. And, and I won't spoil it for you, but it's an incredible read about just the things he saw and things that you know, were happening on earth that he, that he was telling his parents, like, oh, this was happening. And, and he's just talking like a three-year-old, so it's not like he has this full-on thought process. He's just kind of babbling about, oh, yeah, I saw this happening. And the parents are like, what? Like, we didn't tell anybody that kind of stuff. And... Um, you know, just when, I, it, it just, when I read that kind of book, it really motivates me to think heaven's for real. You know, what, what is there? 
for me, you know, I, I want to go back there and, and see the daughters that I lost. I mean, how amazing would that be, right? Let's celebrate together. And, um, cannot for real, I might lose it. <clears throat> but, but, you know, like, that, that's a motivator. You know, if we can only take people to heaven or take souls to heaven, you know, who do I want to make sure is there? Am I doing enough? You know, are they my focus? And they ought to be. I mean, for most of us in this room, I'd probably say 100%, 99%, you guys already have your tickets to heaven punched. No problem. We'll see you all there. We'll have a big party. But how many people outside this room do we know that, that I got to make sure they're there? That's got to motivate me. I only have a limited amount of time. You don't even, you don't even know. But I want to make sure that I can take whomever I can with me. And so, you know, as we're finishing this up, you know, my prayer for you guys is who are the people that you're praying for? And what kind of opportunities do you have to talk to them about it? What kind of doors can be opened? You know, what kind of fears do we have about talking to them about it? You know, for me, one of the, the scariest people to talk to is my grandmother. Because, you know, I mean, she knows I'm a pastor. She knows I go to church and whatever. But it's always awkward, right, around family members that you're not sure or you don't know. And, and so I think one day I just kind of blurted it out, like, do you believe in God? And then I walked away. That was my icebreaker. And, and like anybody else, she goes, she goes, yeah, but I don't understand why there's all this suffering in the world. I don't understand why this happens. And, and those are valid, valid points and valid, valid questions. If he's, you know, if God's a good God, why does this happen? And that's for another message some other time. Sorry, I didn't mean to go down that rabbit trail. But, but you know, I mean, it, over the course of a few weeks and just talking and talking, you know, we got to talk about some things. And I can't say that I got to pray like the salvation prayer with her or the sinner's prayer with her. My mom did tell me that she did pray with her mom, my grandmother. So praise God for that. But, you know, I mean, at some point, we're going to have to just take that step because the consequences are too great otherwise. You know, and again, I'm not saying I'm the one who, like, planted the seed and opened the door or whatever. I'm sure I was, I was part of a chain because, you know, most of us in our family are Christians. But, but at some point, you know, I mean, they might get offended, but if we don't say anything, what are we really doing? kind of a downer, yeah? Sorry. Um, but it's serious. I mean, it's, it's heavy stuff. It's serious stuff. So, you know, as we leave here, my prayer for you guys is, yeah, that we would have these conversations with people, that God would open the doors, that it wouldn't be so awkward because we already, have a, we, we already found a common ground, because we already found something that we can relate to. And, and, and that as we go on, in fact, you know, if you guys are in mini church this week, challenge each other. Hey, I want to talk to, and, and say the person's name who's, who's specifically on your heart, who God has put there. And then next week when you guys come back from mini church, ask them, did you have that conversation? Or did you at least broach the subject? Or did you at least, whatever, meet up for coffee, you know? Something like that. And I think in, in that case, it's a real good competition. It's a real good thing to do because I think we want to see our friends um, with Jesus and with us, right? Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Father, I, I thank you so much just for, Father, just for, the amazing gift that your son has given us, that we might have a relationship with you, that we might have our sins forgiven, that we might be able to, to live really guilt-free because of what your son has done. And Father, I pray that you'd give us just amazing opportunities and open doors to talk to people about, about your son and about the good news. It really is the good news, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We shouldn't be afraid of it. We're really giving people the ticket to a better life. And Father, I pray that we would just live out being good examples and that we'd be able to, to really show people that we're Christians by our love. 
and that, that the next time this happiest person in America thing comes out, that a Christian would be first on the list, that the happiest person would be a Christian. Father, again, I thank you for all the hearts that are here and, and really for all the people that, that have played roles in, in all of our lives, the unsung heroes that have boosted us, that have encouraged us, that have lifted us up. Father, I pray that we'd be able to be that person to somebody else, that this week we'd be able to encourage people, we'd be able to show them love. Father, that we'd be able to, to pick up a, a, a person who's down or, or to, to dry a tear. Father, I pray that our motivation would be your love and that your love needs to get to every person out here. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. And I just want to say one more prayer. And this is just the prayer that just says, I'm not even sure I know Jesus, but I want him because Jesus is, it sounds like he's, he's the guy. He's the key to everything. <clears throat> and the Bible just tells us it's real easy. All you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you'll be saved. And so I want to say a prayer that just says, hey, I don't know who Jesus is, but I want to know him. I think I need him in my life. And, um, and we'll, just, we'll just pray together. And what I'd like to do is, I just want to know who's praying with me. And we're not going to do anything real crazy. If, if you want to say that prayer with me, <clears throat> and we'll pray about it in about a minute. I'll pray it out loud. You pray in your heart. I just want to know who's praying with me. And if you want to pray with me, just raise your hand. And you can just go ahead and do that now, and, and I'll pray with you. Okay, I see you there. Awesome. And, okay, you guys can put your, if I miss you, wave your hand real high. But I think I got everybody. Um, Okay, why don't we just pray? And just pray this in your heart. Just follow along with me. Dear Jesus, <clears throat> I, I thank you for coming down and, and becoming my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, I just pray that you would just tonight just make yourself very real in my life. I may not even know you. I may not know everything about you. I've heard Pastor Scott talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm not even sure what that is maybe. But, but Jesus, I just pray that, that you would just give me everything that you have for me, that you would bless me and that you show me how to live. Jesus, I thank you so much that, that you've given these gifts to us so freely. And really, all we have to do is just believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, and we'll be saved. And Jesus, I just pray that you would just help me to, to find a group of people that would encourage me and just teach me new things and help me just learn everything about you. And I just thank you so much, and I pray this in your name. Amen. Glenn, thanks for the water, too. <laughs>